I think the biggest thing a community needs is a face to the name. And I'm not saying a specific creator that, I just think someone actually being there because you feel like you have that connection with the brand where, oh, I know someone there. It's not just an email and you feel like you're not working for the brand, you're working with the brand. So I think just really have a face really owning that and having someone that really breathes the brand. You're listening to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast hosted by me, Katya Allison. So what have you gotten yourself into? In short, a good time, great conversation, and a little bit of learning along the way. Through insightful interviews with top marketers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, I get to explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in the world of marketing. I'm here to offer you engaging and informative discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. In this episode, we are covering building a brand community with my guest, Gabe Fernando. Now, Gabe is personal. You will definitely pick up on that. He is creative. You will hear about how his creativity comes out in building brand community, and he's passionate. He has built and designed influencer programs that have turned into thriving communities. His experiences include creating multiple programs that scale brands, generate revenue, and build positive relationships with each individual or team he meets. Now, with experience in both Southern California and Brussels, Belgium, he is with us today on the podcast, bringing his unique perspective to the table. So let's talk marketing with Gabe Fernando. Welcome to Let's Talk Marketing, Gabe. I'm really excited to have you on the show. It is amazing to see you. I miss you. (laughs) You should miss me. I'm a big deal. What can I say? Just kidding. I'm not that big of a deal. So today we're going to be talking about just kind of building a brand community. Before we dive into that, let's get to know you a little bit. So what was your first marketing role and what is your current role? My first actual marketing role was a product marketing role, actually. Subtle Flex was an internship in Belgium. It was with UPS Europe. Don't ask me too many questions about it because it was for a study abroad program. And I'll be honest, I did more traveling than studying out there. So I'll kind of leave it at that was my first marketing experience. But my actual marketing role that I actually had to do stuff was with AEG Sports. It was with the Tour of California, Tour of Amgen, California. It was like a cycling event that used to happen here. It's on a hiatus from what I know, but I was part of the grassroots marketing team where we would travel to the cities from NorCal and SoCal and just promote this race. That was my first ever marketing experience. Nice. So what do you currently do now? So currently I'm at Cuts Clothing. If you don't know Cuts Clothing, you should. But I'm here working as the ambassador and creator manager. So I really work with the ambassadors or brand ambassadors or influencers or creators, whatever you like to call them. Very personal basis, really get to know them, really jump on calls with them, try to work on activations with them, when to go live and plan out their content, but as well as the partnerships, contract, everything under that umbrella. I love it. Of what you're currently doing, what do you love about what you do? But also on the flip side, what would you pluck out of it if you could? I think my favorite thing I love about it is the connections because a lot of the people that I've worked with now such like I met you through working here, like it's turned more into more of a working relationship, but more of like an actual friendship, I'd like to say. But also with the creators I work with, some of these gentlemen and ladies that I've met working now at the point where we're just texting, we're random FaceTiming. A lot of these people have turned into like brothers to me. A lot of these guys that I started the program with started here. It's 
absolutely insane to think about. And we were actually doing a whole recap on our like careers. We're like, wow, remember we met two years ago when I just said that cold outreach or you said that cold outreach to me and look where we are now. We're literally FaceTime and asking how life is going when we're visiting. So I think that's my favorite part is honestly the connections I have with these creators. I like it. What would you pluck out of it? Having to deal with sometimes managers and agents. Sorry to those managers and agents. I've met countless amazing ones, but there are those couple that just leave a really bad taste in your mouth. Not even just managers and agents. Sometimes it's some creators. And again, maybe it's there's a miscommunication on my end, which I'm happy to acknowledge, or maybe it's a miscommunication on your end where it didn't really work out. But sometimes that's the issue is that I'm like, oh God, there are times I'm like, I just don't want to work in the influencer after having that interaction. But 99% of the time, it's really, really good. Let's put it that way. What about that do you not like? Is it just an attitude thing or a pestering thing? Like what specifically do you not like about that? I think it's more of the, God, this sounds so bad now. I should have thought about this a little more, but it's more of the entitlement part of it where it's all like, oh, I'm this and that. Like you think you're above in a certain way. And again, I 100% respect the grind that these creators, these managers, the agents have created. But at the same time, there has to be that understanding is like, hey, Sometimes brands aren't able to, in a way, throw out that kind of money you're asking for. Maybe they're starting a real relationship where they don't want it to be transactional first. And I get it. When it comes to business, sometimes it is transactional. Most of the time it is transactional. But at the same time, there has to be that whole vibe where it's like, hey, no, we really want to be here because we want to be here. It's not like, oh, this brand's offering me 10K. I'm just going to go with them because of 10K Yeah. instead of you guys. I've been working with you guys for X amount of years. But again, every situation is different. I think that's really my lingering testing part about it. It's just like sometimes it turns into more of, oh, it's only transaction based. There's no actual take the time to get to know who I am, take the time to get to know who the brand is, X, Y, and Z. Well, it makes sense that that's what you don't like because what you do like is the relationship. What you don't like is the transaction. And then I would sum it up to even say it's the ego part. Like when people Mm -hmm. step up to the plate and they bring their ego along with them, I think that it can leave anybody with a bad taste, whether it's a talent manager, a creator, or really anybody in a marketing role. As soon as someone's ego comes along with them as well, too. And like that entitlement ego is so unattractive. And we're all people at the end of the day. So don't pretend like you deserve all of it. Yeah, 100%. And I just think I like having a casual conversation first, kind of like you and me are having right now. I was like, we're allowed to shoot the shit. That's what I want to be able to do, where I want to be able to shoot you a message and say like, hey, saw that video. That was amazing. And I don't get stiff arm and be like, oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Like, when you're texting me, like one of those things. And again, I've never got anything to that experience. I've mostly got the experience of a lot of creators are like, and I are able to have these FaceTime calls, able to have a normal conversation, shoot each other a message. That's the thing that I love. But again, every person's different. Maybe I caught someone on a bad day. Maybe they're really focused on business first because they had their negative experiences with the brand and I get it. I always try to put my feet in both shoes to really understand it because there have been times I've been frustrated and then they tell me, hey, this is the experience I had. So sorry if I come off that way. Dude, I'm happy with that. Just communicate that with me and I will do whatever I can to make sure that the experience changes for you in a more positive direction. I like that. I like the open communication. I think you're also in a space where you really do have to keep up to date and you have to be on social media networks to stay up to speed. So now I'm kind of curious what social networks you're on for inspiration, entertainment, and education. Social media is such a crazy thing because a lot of the social media right now is so intertwined where it's like, if I watch one thing, I felt like I just saw that on another channel. Yeah. It's crazy because obviously 
the evolution of like TikTok really showing how short videos, short form content could be a great thing. Like YouTube and Instagram both took that with reels and shorts. But to go back to your question, what social media networks do I really go out for? Like for inspiration, personally, because I'm so locked in on social media, my source of inspiration is enjoying the moment right there. Again, very cliche. Like when I'm with people I'm around that I love, people I love hanging out and stuff like that, I try to keep my phone away just because that's what I like doing. So I don't really have inspiration there with social media just because that might be like a double negative just because I'm all around it so much. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of great channels that have a lot of inspiration that I love seeing, but I see that all at work already. And I'm like, okay, on my own time, I won't do that. But for entertainment, I think there has that entertainment aspect where I do love watching certain platforms like YouTube and TikTok and IG, I think are all great ways of doing it. It's a great way in quotations to kill time, but also a great way just to like check stuff out. I was just talking to you about how I got really into like moto vlogs, for instance. I was watching all that on YouTube, literally listened to, and I think that's a cool, wow. Now I'm going back on my answer because now that's my source of inspiration, that moto vlog. (laughs) I feel like you can go to all of the networks for a little bit of the inspiration and entertainment and education. I think that to your point, because you're in it all day long, you're naturally going to get inspired. So you're not actively going there to get inspired I guess what comes to mind for a social network like that is Pinterest, right? Like, oh, I have this idea that I want to go. I need to go somewhere for inspiration. I'm going to go to Pinterest. But you're in social all the time. So that makes sense. And entertainment, for sure. Where do you go for education? Do you go anywhere on social media or do you go to a social network to get educated? Again, all the above. Yeah. Sometimes and I think it's so cool. Cool, but also it makes me feel old. Like, Back in the day, when I say back in the day, maybe it's not too long ago, but like, remember when we had to look at Google for everything? Now people go to TikTok and say, hey, how do I do X, Y, and Z? And I'm all like, that's such an interesting search engine right there to think about. So I would say all of it. I actually find some cool things when it comes to education, whether it's about social trends, whether it's about sometimes history, sometimes geography, sometimes about travel. I'll look at all those platforms to really, really understand that. So More or less, all of it ties in together. And you actually, like I said, I'm going to go in a circle right here, but maybe I don't really go out seeking it, but because I work in social media full time, it just comes up. Like literally on my work day, when I'm scouting out some channels, I'll go down a rabbit hole and maybe I'll just get inspired by what I'm watching. But then I'm also being entertained by this stuff and then learning something right there. Yeah. I mean, the beauty is when one post can do all three of those things, right? Now we talk social networks, but let's put social networks on a shelf. How do you stay up to date on trends? Is there something that you're reading? You got to go to ad age or social media examiner, or is there a newsletter? How do you stay up to date on trends? A lot of the places you brought up, I've heard of a ton of these. I personally don't use them. The reason I don't use them is because I'm on social media so much already. I'll start seeing what the trends are. Let's do TikTok. Like when a dance comes out, I'll know it right away because it completely floods not only the feed I'm on because that's my personal feed, but because I'm also on the Cuts account, it'll flood the Cuts account. I'll be like, okay, this is obviously something that's going big. Or if it's something on YouTube, I start seeing all these videos getting recommended for me and I'm like, oh, these are all a similar style video. And maybe that's something it's doing. And again, same thing about Instagram. Instagram's the same thing as TikTok. It'll kind of flood the channel. So I really don't use anything outside of just being on social media daily. That's kind of how it is. I think the one thing that's tough is staying up to date on trends. Like you can read these articles and stuff. And again, not knocking what you said. I think those are an excellent way of 
really using those. But the best way to stay up to date is just be on it because maybe you read that article and it came out a week before and it's all like, okay, well now that trend's out of date. And you're all like, oh, what the heck? I got to get ahead of that now. How do I get ahead of that when I'm already behind? No, I love it. And I think that's completely valid too, especially on the social trends aspect of it, right? You do really have to be on the social networks to see what's popping off. I don't know if you have multiple accounts because I know that you said you have your personal and then you're looking at cuts, but I know that there are a lot of marketers out there that will create multiple TikTok accounts so that they can see other things that are being served to like hone in on either a right creator or to get inspired in a different way. Yeah. And I think the one thing that's interesting about trends is that my favorite kind of trends are seeing someone do something different. I think that's kind of a double negative. I remember one of the creators that I was working with, I won't say any names and stuff, but they were really focused on doing vlogs on TikTok. And I was all like, oh, that's a really cool thing to do. And this was back in 2021. So I know that doesn't sound too long ago. Maybe it does sound long ago. But vlogging on TikTok was the thing. People thought TikTok was just dances and stuff like that. And their channel skyrocketed. And now I see more vlogs as I go, but I always look at that guy and say, hey, your channel is the reason that vlogs became so big. And I think I put that up there as one of my gold stars when I told our team, hey, we should really start finding these TikTok vloggers because I think it's going to get big. And hands up, no one really listened. Just want to say and look where it is now. <laughs> Just want to say. I'll never forget when one of my teamers walked up to me and said, Dang, I wish we listened earlier about you saying vlogs because vlogs are just popping off now and all these channels are just growing. And I'm all like, didn't need any article for that. I just looked at it. It's all about storytelling and really like the vlogs allow you to be able to do a lot of the storytelling. And that's what people want in bite sized amount, right? Because I think, well, now we're going to go down a rabbit hole, but let's talk marketing first. I feel like we have five podcasts in us in just this one conversation because I know that we could go down that rabbit hole. But today I brought you on here because I want to talk about building a brand community. I know that you've done such a great job at Cuts being able to build that community. I mean, the part that you love is the relationship part, right? That is community building. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think is the one thing a community needs to be successful. I think the biggest thing a community needs is a face to the name. And I'm not saying a specific creator that I just think someone actually being there because I'm sure you've dealt with this a lot of times. Emails are great, but if there's no face to the name, I really don't feel like responding to an email. I always try to jump on the call. I try to set up these calls and really understanding that because I've talked with a handful of brands that have asked me, hey, how do you cuts build this? How do you have such a strong knit community? I said, you know what? Let's jump on a call. Let's do a group Zoom and people know who I am. I know who they are. And it's not just some robotic email saying like, hey, thanks so much for applying. We'll get back to you. Or awesome, you've been accepted. Post here and then we'll send you another package. No, I'll take the time and go, hey, Katya, I really, really love that post. Any chance we can jump on a call, just to, you know, shoot the shit and we'll kind of go from there. And then from there on, it's like, you feel like you're actually included in the brand. You feel like you're seeing behind the scenes what people don't know. You feel like you have that connection with the brand where, oh, I know someone there. It's not just an email. And you feel like you're not working for the brand, you're working with the brand. So I think to answer your question from a loquacious answer, just really have a face really owning that and having someone that really breathes the brand. How do your influencers turn into your community? Because I would imagine once they come through the door, I would imagine that you've got people who are coming in who aren't quite part of the community first, or maybe that is how you're also finding your influencers as well too. But you know, the people who are just kind of starting off in the cuts ambassador or program or like just working with cuts, how do you get them to 
think of themselves as a community? Do they know they're part of a community just by being an influencer with cuts? Or is that something that you take the time to develop? Yeah, I think two parts to that question. One is it does take time to develop because a lot of these creators are already in other programs, but when they join Cut, they're like, I've never seen a program like this where I talk to someone. I've never actually left on call. I've actually never met a ton of other creators based off this. And I think that's one of the coolest things is that when I first started it, it was a little bit tough. I kind of was like, how can I get these gentlemen? Because we started off with a men's program. How can I get these gentlemen to jump on call? What is going to spark their interest? And it's like, play with wording. Say like, guys, Gabe here with Cuts. I would love to take time to jump on call. We included the CEO, Steven, at the time to jump on call. So he was able to be part of it. I think that was a really cool opportunity for people to go like, oh, I can meet the CEO, the founder of it ran. I think that was one way. It's also as this community builds, really being inclusive to the people that really understand that when they jump on this first call, that everyone has been in your same shoes before. Like they've been nervous. They've been like, how do I jump in here? How do I say something? Are people going to listen? But really making sure that the guys, and I'm going to say guys, because it was a men's community at first, the guys really are inclusive of that person saying like, yo, Kati, it's so great to see you. So nice to meet you. And I remember on some of these calls, it was really funny. Some of the gentlemen would be like, oh my God, I actually love your content. That's why I got inspired. And when you see that really build, it really just, for me, lights a little spark in my eye where I'm like, oh, this is cool. I was that bridge to you meeting someone that you are inspired by. What's the value of that community for a brand in your opinion? The value of that community is like, honestly, just having people that don't really work internally with the brand. They want to be part of that brand success where they're like, oh, even if one member, let's just say smaller creator isn't really going viral or anything like that, but they have their community of homies. If they start getting those guys into cuts, that spreads like wildfire because it's word of mouth right there. And I think that's one of the biggest things about community is that it really entices other people or other creators. How do I be part of something like that? I love the cuts messaging. How do I get to be part of that? Do I need to change my lifestyle? Do I need to say, hey, do I need to make that change? Say, maybe I need to get back to the gym and go do that. Maybe I need to go start really grinding on my work. Maybe I want to go towards my passion and really travel the world and really get there. I think that's one of the biggest things about communities. It inspires other people, but it also really makes people strive to be like, okay, I want to be part of that exclusive group of people. I want to meet a bunch of new people, new guys, new girls, and really start pushing myself to the next limit, if that makes sense. That does make sense. I think you're also describing a lot of qualitative ways to measure it. So let's say someone's boss comes up to them and they're like, okay, well, what's the value of this to us? What's my bottom line? What am I going to report to the board about the community? Why are we spending so much time in that? Can you quantify that kind of qualitative, almost brand equity that you're building based on this community? I mean, obviously we can say like, if I go towards social media, Hey, we have a ton of people posting for us. There's some quantitative data right there. Hey, people are driving orders, more quantitative data. But I think the same time when people lose track of the communities, we try to put a value number, if that makes sense, on what the community is. And I think there's so much more to it because like I said, someone can always have a brand that's just so focused on generating revenue, but what's going to bring me back to that brand? I think if we look at some of the brands that I'm inspired by, I'm going to name one of them GoPro, for instance. I think GoPro does an amazing job with their marketing and their community because they're inspiring people to do other things. They're trying to really tell them, hey, like, go out and get a camera. You can easily do this. This camera is so small. Go check out certain things like that. With cuts, it's like for us, hey, anyone can rock this t-shirt. You're going to look good rocking this t-shirt. 
if you're a guy, maybe you'll have that confidence to go talk to that girl that you've been always so scared to talk to or something like that. You're going to get that compliment. That's how I would really describe the brand community part of it. I think the one thing that's tough is that we really want to find a way to make it a quantitative value. We really want to do something like that, but at the same time, make people want to stay with the brand. You don't want just a one-time purchase. You want multiple purchases from this one person because they really feel that lifestyle. They feel the storytelling behind the brand that they feel they can resonate with. And I can go in circles about this, but that's really the biggest thing about community because it does take a lot of time to build a community. And when you build a community right or build a community properly with people that really resonate with the brand, that goes a long way. Yeah. It does pay you back in returns from a brand perspective. Now we've talked about a brand community. I'm really curious because I know I've had so many conversations with people who have these creators and these influencers and they want to make them feel like they are part of a community. How do you currently do that? Or what's your advice for a brand to be able to foster community amongst their roster of influencers? One of the things that you mentioned was getting on the line with them, but let's say I've got a roster of 200 creators. I'm not realistically going to get on the line with them in a small time frame. So how else can you build that sense of community amongst your existing influencer roster? What's well, one thing too, if I had to take a step backwards, like you're not always going to start with 200 people. You're going to start with that core group. Let's just say hypothetically, you had a group of 200 people. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard to get a call with 200 people. This is the part where you have to get creative and say, I've actually done research and seen other brands where they connect the group and saying like, hey, we have a US group. Let's do everyone in the US. Let's jump on a call with them in the US. Okay, we have a group from Asia. Let's do that. We have a group from Europe. Let's do that. I've seen cool ways of doing it. I've seen people get paired up in like a buddy program. I've heard of that from someone that was really, really smart told me about a buddy program. But I've also seen other brands do that where, Katya, you're based in SoCal. I'm based in SoCal. And maybe we won't have exactly similar content, but we really want to break the ice between us two creators. Like I've seen them going like, hey, putting you guys in an email thread, putting you guys in a group chat on IG, like here, let's get to know each other. Let's do something great. And I think that's one of the biggest things. If you're very, very cautious with who you let in the community, everyone should mesh together well. And that's usually a fact about it. I've never had any issue with anyone saying like, oh, I don't get along with Katsu because of X, Y, and Z. The reason I've ever had that is because Everyone in the community is so brand aligned, but also they really are a group of individuals trying to get their shit done. Yeah. I think that's how I would say it is that make sure you somewhat take the time. But again, to Katya's point, you are not going to have 200 people in a program right away. You're going to build it out properly. For cuts, we started off with 40 people. I really got to know those 40 people and then we went up to 50, 60 to 100 to 150. That's how it was. And I still had at least 100 people jumping on these Zoom calls because they really understood the point of it. They really understood, hey, these calls mean something. That's how we feel a part of it. Of course, we've done little things like newsletters. We've tried to do meetups when we can, but we also encourage them to really connect with each other. I've seen photos of some of our creators meeting up together without me telling them to. They just met because we were the bridge to connect them. Yeah, I love that. What I hear is part of building brand community requires a level of personalization and the ability to create relationships with people. And then also being consistent and continuing that engagement, that connection, and then helping foster even more connections as well. It's almost like you're building your own social network. Knowing all of that, do you have any examples aside from cuts of a brand that is really just kind of crushing it as it pertains to like community? I just like GoPro always just does a great job in doing that. I feel like they always have everyone there. They make it so global where someone in 
the Philippines who's filming out there some tropical video could connect with someone that's from New York that's filming in an urban setting. I think that's one of the biggest things. I think a lot of big ones that I want to bring up are like fitness brands do an amazing job. I could bring up Gymshark is an absolute stud in that. I could bring up have a Dark Sport. I love their stuff. I think Dark Sport's awesome because they really take time into putting a messaging behind all the collections they do. And that really sparks the community that way. I can bring up another brand. Like I've seen LSKD, who's another cool one where anytime they have a store opening, I feel like I see their stuff everywhere where it's just wild to see that. What I think is a great community might be something different to someone else. They might think a great community is just straight up, hey, these guys are driving revenue. These guys are going out doing X, Y, and Z. But when I think of a community, I think of people that are actually there because they want to be there and they enjoy it. It doesn't feel like a job. It just feels like, hey, I'm hanging out with a group of guys and I'm excited for this event. Well, I appreciate you taking so much time with me. I do have one final question for you. If you knew then what you know now, what's the marketing advice that you give to yourself? I mean, I've known you for a couple of years now. I think what I would say before that, I was actually very quiet, believe it or not. I don't believe it. And, and none of the listeners believe it. No, no, no. Like I was very quiet. Like I kind of just keep to myself, keep to my group. I would never put myself out there. But I think really just be yourself. Don't hesitate to go like, all right, it's okay to fail. It's okay to do this now because that's when you really learn. I remember when I first started in marketing, I was so nervous to jump on calls and meet people. I would make the call awkward and stuff like that. But I started saying like, you know what, let's just be myself. Let's just keep doing what I'm doing. And I started gaining more confidence in doing that. Again, it's such a cliche to say being yourself because everyone's going to say that. But like I said, I was someone very, very quiet in the beginning. And I said, hey, I need to step out of my comfort zone and really learn and really just own on new opportunities and new obstacles in front of me and look where I am today. And this isn't my end all be all. I'm just getting started just like you are too. But meeting cool people like you, meeting people like the creators I've met, working for cool brands, connecting with a ton of other brands just from the space we're in, just because I'm open and honest, go like, hey, like I'd love to just chat. Worst case scenario, someone's going to say no. What does that do? That's not going to affect me. Yeah, of course, you're going to be bummed for a second. I'm like you. I'm like, all right, cool. Like I'm going to go to the next person. Let me say what's up to them and they'll give me the door and then you're going to regret not giving me that chance. It's going to be one of those things. Some people would think that that's like a hustle mentality, just always going after it. But I think like to your point, you do have to be able to be yourself and put it out there. And not as many people say that as many people as you would think do say that, but it is true. When you stop overthinking about what you should say in this situation, should I even be in this meeting? And I think that's where imposter syndrome comes in. You're basically letting them walk into a meeting with you. Like, hey, this is my imposter syndrome. This is me. So I'm going to let them not do the talking for us. We're just going to not talk. Just don't invite them to the meeting. Just be there, be square. But really, like you have to be there. And I think it's almost like, I don't know if you've ever read that Malcolm Gladwell book about the whole, it takes 10,000 hours to become like an expert. The more you do it, the more comfortable you get. The more comfortable you get in like your own cadence, what you're saying in the confidence and knowing that you're just talking to people. At the end of the day, we're both people. We all have worries. We all have problems. We all have joys. We're all kind of coming from the same place. 100%. And it was like one of those things where before like getting into this, I was always so shy and stuff like that. I bet you, if you met me, whatever, I think the biggest change, and I can actually tell you when I changed was when I studied abroad at Belgium. Yeah. That whole marketing world. That was my big switch. And it's funny, one of my best friends since childhood, he even tells me that was one of the biggest things you did because I could tell it's different. I remember when I got back from there, and like I said, he's my best friend. He's like, whoa, like I know something's different. And it was one of the things that we just talked about. But even now, I bet you back then before 2015, I bet you I wouldn't have jumped on call with you because I'd have been too scared to talk to you. 
Oh my God. Now I can't get you to be quiet. Just no, kidding. exactly. Well, <laughs> we actually can talk all day because that's who we are. This is true. They don't know that we talked for almost an hour before we even hopped on here. I cannot thank you enough for coming on here. I always enjoy talking to you and seeing your face. Thank you so much. Of course, anytime. And you kind of gave them a foreshadowing and I'm going to hold it to you. You said we might be able to have multiple parts. So I hope to come back again. I hope to help you out in any way. And you know, I always have love for you, Katya. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much. That was a very fun episode with my good friend, Gabe. We definitely went down some sidetracks, but I have some key takeaways for you. Number one, building a successful brand community really requires putting a face to the name, personifying your brand. It also means being inclusive and also making personal connections with the community members. Creating opportunities for influencers to meet with the brand CEO or other people from the brand, along with other creators, can also help foster a sense of community and really inspire others when you do. It really takes time to develop a community, but making everyone feel included and acknowledging their contribution can help them feel valued and invested in the brand, which is going to pay back in dividends. Number two, the value of a brand's community really lies in kind of the inspiration and motivation it provides to its members, or what I like to call is the value. A strong community not only entices others to join, but it also helps build your brand equity. While quantitative data like social media engagement and sales can measure the impact of community, it can be challenging to put a value on it. The longevity of the community and its ability to really create repeat customers is what sets it apart and, again, pays back in dividends in the long run. And my last takeaway from this episode, to really kind of foster that sense of community among a brand's roster of influencers specifically, it's important to get creative and find ways to connect with them. Even if you have a large group of influencers, would it be ideal if you could just message everybody individually? Absolutely, but that's not humanly possible. So what we're talking about when we're identifying creative ways to really stay connected is it can include organizing group calls or pairings with other members, creating email threads or group chats, and really encouraging them to connect with each other put the networking and the connecting and building relationships in their hands. It's crucial to be cautious though with who you allow into your community. You really want to ensure that everyone gets along and it's brand aligned, starting with a smaller core group of influencers and then gradually building out your community can also be a really helpful approach. It's kind of slow and steady is really what wins the race. It can be just as impactful. Now, I'd love to hear what nuggets or insights you walked away with from today's episode. Subscribe and follow on LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a special thank you to my podcast producers, the amazing team and content allies. Let me know if you want more information. I am obsessed with them and I love to share the wealth. Also check out the episode page to learn a little bit more about Gabe, as well as how you can get in touch with me. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Until next time, may the conversation flow, the laughter linger, and the outlook remain optimistic, but grounded in reality. This is Katya signing off.